Hey, Billy, why don't we tell them what we're about, man? So we're here to welcome you to the Madhouse Chronicles. It's a talk show with myself, Billy Morrison. And me, as the This man, Prince of Darkness, and we watch and react to the maddest internet clips. What do we discuss, Ozzy? Drugs, rock and roll, aliens, all that kind of shit. Drugs, rock and roll, aliens, and all that kinds of shit. Come and join Ozzy and myself. Visit OsborneMediaHouse.com to get special access to... Come to, on! What do you say? Do you think it's the wildest show on the internet? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the Safe Empowerment System will help you relieve your anxiety. Check out the full audio program at QuietBegins.com. Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello and welcome to the show. This is Paul Coliani and I'm here to help you increase your emotional intelligence so that you can avoid dysfunction, handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and show up as your authentic self. Everything I talk about on this show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. While physical and mental health, I had an issue with that and so did my girlfriend, uh, over the past, I would say week, but for me a little bit longer. And I'm going to give you what I probably will consider a PSA, a public service announcement. Uh, it has to do with depression. And the reason I want to give this to you is because it may not be a factor. If you've ever dealt with depression or you are dealing with it now, it may not be a factor that you would consider. It was never a factor that I would consider. I didn't even know it existed. I don't even know if there's documentation on this. I haven't looked it up. All I know is what we experienced and I want to share it with you. Um, for the past several weeks, maybe even longer, I've started feeling strange. I started feeling, I think overwhelmed is probably the word. There was a level of overwhelm that I was feeling like there was just too much on my plate. I had no energy. I slept okay, but I would wake up feeling groggy. And I had um, brain fog and I couldn't tell what was going on. And I, I really thought that I was starting the onset of depression. I mean, I experienced depression in my 20s and I had all these emotions that were repressed and all these thoughts that were suppressed. And I went through a breakup and it just got worse and worse by the time our relationship ended. And I just felt nothing. I felt a void. I didn't feel happy for the things I used to be happy about. I didn't feel sad for the things I used to feel sad about. I felt nothing and it was awful. And it took me a while to realize and also through therapy that I had depression. And when I realized that there was still nothing I could do about it. I mean, at the time I didn't know there was anything I could do about it. And so I had to live with this depression for almost two, two and a half years and pretend I was happy pretty much where I was pretending I was happy everywhere I went, which is very hard to do, took a lot more energy. And so I know what it feels like to start feeling depressed again. So here I am in the last few weeks, maybe longer, a month, month and a half, I started feeling the onset and I'm thinking, what am I missing? What am I doing wrong? I teach people people how to get out of depression. I teach people about expressing thoughts and you know when you suppress your thoughts you repress your emotions and it leads to depression. I know this stuff. Why is this happening to me? Because I express all the time. I'm, I feel like I'm a good example of how to express yourself and not hold this stuff in. I walk around mostly in an untriggered state. I don't have any underlying triggers that are just waiting to pop out as soon as someone mentions something. Well, there might be one or two in there, but it doesn't lead to depression. What I'm talking about is the onset of this void feeling of the lack of energy, of the lack of emotional connection, the lack of feeling connected to someone who's loving me. How could I be experiencing this? You know, a little bit of arrogance. <laughs> How could I go through this? And so I was dealing with it my own way. I didn't really talk to my girlfriend about it. I was thinking, okay, I need to deal with this. I need to process this. I don't want to bring her down. And I had these thoughts, you know, like I said, I don't want to bring her down. Um, I don't want to make her think 
that I'm weak. I don't want to make her think that I'm not dealing with this. I don't want to make her think that I have a problem. So I went through all these thoughts and feelings and I kept them to myself because I knew I could process them. But they weren't going away. And it really bothered me that they weren't going away. I was becoming unhappy. Why is this happening? I thought to myself, I don't understand. And so I don't want to be too graphic, but there were a couple nights where we wanted to be intimate. And um, just like before, when I was depressed, I had a problem. Again, I won't be graphic, but I think you know where I'm going. I had a problem. I couldn't be intimate. It started off okay, but suddenly it wasn't okay. And I couldn't connect and I couldn't perform and I couldn't be the person, the man that I wanted to be. I couldn't. And now whatever I was going through was really manifesting and really affecting the relationship. I mean, it was affecting it before. And now it was a physical manifestation that I needed to address because I couldn't have it continue this way. So I finally told her, I finally said, you know, I don't know what's been happening with me. I've had no energy. I thought it was the caffeine. I gave up caffeine and I'm still feeling this way. I'm not sure what to do. I'm not sure what's going on. I feel like, and I finally said it, I feel like it's the onset of depression. And she goes, you know, I've been experiencing this too. And I thought I was experiencing depression. And I'm not sure what's going on because my life is pretty darn good. Our lives are great. We got this house and this is the best relationship I've ever been in. And I feel the same way. And we were looking at each other and we started talking about this. And I asked her, well, how long, you know, have you felt this way? When did it start? And she said, it started, I don't know, a few days ago, but I'm not sure. And I said, well, it's definitely gotten worse for me in the last few days. I mean, I felt like blank face. (laughs) I just felt like whatever emotional thing was going on, I could not connect to it. And so I don't know if it was our conversation that sparked what, what might be happening, but this is probably so not where you think it's going to go. But what we've been dealing with is this gasoline smell in the house for the last few days. And our house is above our garage and our air intake where our air compressor, our air conditioner is, uh, is in the garage. So anything that we have in the garage can be sucked into the air intake through the air conditioner and go in our house. And we just got this used pressure washer and we thought that must be it. The gasoline smell coming up from there. And, um, we pulled that out and left it outside and we still smelled the gas and we pulled out some gas canisters that we had down there and we still smelled the gas. And then we realized it must be the lawnmower because we've had that lawnmower for months and it's never been a problem, but we pulled the lawnmower out and the next day the gas smell was completely gone. And we were relieved. Finally, the gas smell was gone. And we're thinking, oh, I hope we didn't expose ourselves for too long to this awful thing because gasoline is carcinogen and it could be a huge problem. It could lead to cancer. It could lead to death if you inhale too much of it. But fortunately, we woke up the next day and we both felt amazing. We both felt wonderful. We felt emotionally connected. We felt ourselves again. And we started connecting the dots. We started putting the pieces together and we realized, oh my God, the the gasoline must have affected our system, must have affected our bodies, must have affected our mind because we both had very similar symptoms and this depression feeling was coming on and I would never have associated it with the gasoline fumes. But it turns out, and this is part of the PSA here, It turns out that it wholly affected us. It completely affected our emotional state, our energy. And we didn't get all the common symptoms that you see online about what happens when you inhale fumes and things like that. But we did feel the onset of depression. We did feel disconnected from our emotions. And that day when we didn't have the gas smell, we felt alive. We felt good. And the intimacy was back in full force and it was night and day. And I thought to myself, I've been experiencing this for over a month now. I've been feeling as if something was wrong with me. And it turns out we were breathing in toxic fumes. So 
I'm telling you this not to tell you some dramatic story from our lives. I'm telling you this because, A, I realize now that depression can exist outside the realm of what we think is the cause. And what I mean by that is the chemicals that we're exposed to. What are we breathing in? What are we putting in our body? It matters. I would never have related gasoline vapor with depression. Never. And so if you are experiencing or have experienced any form of depression that you can't pinpoint, you can't figure out why it's there, be aware of your environment. Be aware of the toxic elements in your environment. And toxicity can span into anything. It can be chemical. It can be food. It can be the people that you're around. It can be the city that you live in. It can be a a number of things. And I'm not saying this because it's all 100% true and you should now be paranoid. about. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just helping you maybe pinpoint something that you couldn't put together before. I'm helping you understand at least my realization, if you haven't already realized it, that sometimes what we think might be the cause of something isn't. And it's a surprise to me to find out that something toxic could actually disconnect us from our emotions. That didn't make sense to me. And I know, I know there are people out there, and I've talked with them, that have told me things like um, the drug they're taking actually disconnects them from their emotions. I think Shantix was one of those drugs. And um, some people have had negative effects because of the drugs they're taking to help them go through whatever they're going through. And so I know chemically that we can be disconnected from our emotions, but environmentally, when we're in an environment that might be toxic as well, that can also affect us. At least it affected my girlfriend and I. And I just wanted to share that as a PSA. We're doing great now. The lawnmower is outside. It needs to be in a shed, not in our garage. That's probably information that some of you are going, duh. (laughs) But... We had to go through the process and figure it out and make sure that uh, we didn't kill ourselves. And um, now we're better. And I don't feel any depression. I don't feel any disconnect from my emotions. I feel loving and caring toward myself and my girlfriend. We're different people. She feels it and I feel it. And it's just a much better place to be. So there's my PSA for you. I hope that helps if you're in any type of situation like that. Not to make you paranoid. Not to make you think, well, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. It's just another avenue to explore. And of course, depression, is a, it can be a serious thing. And if you're dealing with that, certainly, I want you to have all the avenues of exploration so that if you can't get it cured in therapy, if you're trying everything you can, listening to self-help like this, and you still can't do anything about it, then maybe it's beyond your thoughts. Maybe it's outside the box. And you, need, you might want to explore that. And this applies to everything, everything in your life. Why do I feel this way? Why am I thinking these thoughts? What's going on in my life that is causing this to happen? Sometimes it's not that toxic person. Sometimes it's not the cable company mistreating you or not to pick on the cable company, but <laughs> any company mistreating you. Sometimes it's something else that you would never have thought of. So this brings us to a related topic about thoughts and intrusive thoughts and what do we do about these intrusive thoughts Uh, do we try to get rid of them do we try to resist them I think it's an important topic to talk about this is very similar to what I just experienced having these thoughts of oh my god I might be depressed what does this mean and not sharing them with uh, the closest person in my life and just trying to deal with them on my own and it's great to be able to do that with yourself and try to process these things as they come But it's also great to have someone else in your life to find out if um, they have any thoughts on it. And in my case, she was experiencing the same thing. We could have probably narrowed this down faster had we brought it up and tried to figure out what could be causing what's happening. And now that we've experienced just gasoline fumes and seeing how that caused us to feel this onset of depression, we have now expanded what could be the cause of things in our life and are able to talk about it more openly, more thoroughly, and certainly outside the box of the typical, hey, you suppressed that thought, which repressed that emotion, which led to depression, which is usually my go-to thought process if depression appears. We can now explore things further and not limit our range of where the cause might come from. Anyway, we're going to talk about intrusive thoughts when we get back right after this. Talk to you shortly. 
Welcome back. I want to get into the intrusive thoughts that can happen and what we might typically do or maybe what we quote should do about this when they happen, about unwanted thoughts that really intrude on your day. And this stems from an email that I received last year. And it uh, is about a person who was having thoughts, uh, mainly of the sexual nature, where he would imagine a rape. I mean, he would be doing the rape and it really bothered him. And I know some people out there might think, oh, you know, this guy's dangerous. He might go out and rape. But someone who says, I'm having these thoughts um, and I don't want them, uh, what do I do? probably not going to go out and do what he's thinking of. He's just having the thoughts. And this is one of the most important points that I want to stress in this episode is that your thoughts are in your mind and they can be anything that you want them to be or don't want them to be. But they're just thoughts. They're not manifested into behavior. Behavior is different. Thoughts aren't necessarily things, and I know this goes against some of those um, law of attraction type of teachings you've heard, but I don't want you to think that all your negative thoughts are going to manifest into negative things. I don't want you to think that, oh my God, if I have this thought of doing this bad behavior, then I must be a bad person. You're not. That's not what makes people bad. Behavior makes them bad, and bad is relative and subjective, and we could define it in many ways, but just use your own definition for bad. If somebody came along and broke into my house and attacked my girlfriend and I, I would call that very bad behavior. I might even call it evil, and I'm going to make a few points about thoughts and how thoughts aren't necessarily things that we hear about. At the same time, when they're motivating, they can be things. They can turn into behavior, which create things in your life. And I'm not here to put down any belief system. If you have the belief that thoughts are things, you know, certainly take what I'm saying with a grain of salt, but also take what I'm saying as an escape from any limiting reality that you have that makes you think that a bad thought makes you a bad person because it doesn't. A bad thought is just a thought. I've said on this show before that anything you think in your mind is okay. I've walked you through visualizations of seeing people in your mind's eye and doing whatever you need to do to them to reach closure inside your mind. And that might mean, for example, when I had a lot of hatred inside for my stepfather and I wanted him to understand how I felt but I never said how I felt to him when I was growing up in my house. And I never felt like I should be physically aggressive toward him. I was afraid of him. But in my mind's eye, many years later, as part of my own therapy, as part of my own healing process, I imagined him in front of me and I tore him apart. <laughs> I mean, I, I punched him. I yelled at him. I hurt him in many ways, all in my mind. And it freed me from a lot of the anger and negativity I had toward him. There's something to be said about that. There's something to be said about when you express something and you don't have the feelings in the real world, in the outside world anymore. That sounds like healing to me. So the first part of what I'm going to talk about is that The thoughts that you try to push away may be the very thoughts that you need to have in order to heal. Now, there's all kinds of thoughts. There are thoughts of you doing things to people or you doing things by yourself or it doesn't matter that you feel bad about. Like, I would never do that. I I could never do that. If I did that, I would kill myself. I don't want to do that. That's awful, awful, awful. And when those thoughts come, One of the first steps I want you to do is remove the resistance. Now, I'm telling you all this with the reminder of the disclaimer at the beginning of the show. (laughs) If you have an issue with these thoughts and they are manifesting into behaviors that are not good for you or the world, then it's time to see a professional. It really is. And I just want you to consider that. So as we go forward, the disclaimer is see a professional if you need a professional, see a therapist, see a doctor, whatever it is for you. 
All I'm giving you is my opinion and what I've done and how I've experienced working with the mind, working with my own mind, working with the subconscious and how I've healed and how I've helped others heal. So this may work for you as well. There's my disclaimer. Anyway, what I'm saying is that when the thoughts come up, when you push them down, you create a resistance inside of you. The resistance is, I don't want to have that thought or something like that. I think it's bad to have that thought. And when you have any type of resistance, what happens is you amplify the negativity inside of you. And so you have a bad thought. Let's put an example out there. Like, I want to punch that salesman in the face. (laughs) Something like that. And you might think to yourself, I would never do that in real life. Or maybe you would. But let's just say that you wouldn't. Something in your thought process you would never do in real life. So you resist it. You might have this resistance that comes up and you think, I would never do that and I would feel bad about it. In fact, I feel bad about it for thinking about it. So I'm going to stuff that down. I'm going to repress it. I'm going to I'm going to erase it from my mind. I don't want to have that thought because it makes me feel bad. So not only did you have a thought that you believed was immoral, unethical, or illegal, but you also made yourself feel bad about it. So there's a double whammy. You, you get hit twice. Oh, that's so illegal. I feel bad about that. And I'm resisting it because I don't want to feel bad. But the resistance brings on the intensity of the negativity. And then we try to push down both the thought and the intensity of the negativity and the resistance I guess you could call that all three things. And we're pushing these things down, hoping that they don't come back. But when we do that, what we end up doing is pushing down very hard on a lot of pressure. And then like the top of a pressure cooker, we put clips on the lid and keep it down, keep the pressure in so that it doesn't come back up. The problem is, is that the clips are very loose and the thought will come back up and sometimes with a lot more force. And when it comes with more force, then we have to take more energy to push it back down. And this cycle, this pattern, when it continues in your mind, really starts to play with you and make you feel even worse. And it manifests into other thoughts and and other behaviors that are based on your resistance of these original thoughts. It gets pretty deep, but I think you probably understand where I'm going with this. Every time you have a bad thought and you push it down and then it comes back up and now you have to push that down because it's more intense. It takes more energy to push it down and it takes a lot of willpower and it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of emotional strength just to get into a place of feeling good about yourself again because these other thoughts made you feel bad about yourself. So with this in mind, I want you to remember a few things. One of them is thoughts and behavior can originate from unexpressed emotions. And what that means is what you repress in the real world. Like if you're angry at a family member and you haven't reached closure with that family member, you're going to have thoughts. You're going to have visualizations that come up. You're going to imagine scenarios where you do something or say something And maybe those scenarios will go over some line that you've drawn that when you cross that line, oh no, you've now crossed into immoral, unethical, or illegal behavior. You don't like that. If you're a good person, you might think, I don't like that thought about myself. I shouldn't be thinking about those things. I should be loving and caring. I should walk around as a being of light, spreading love on the planet. That's what some of us do. We walk around and we think that we need to be this being of light, never having a negative thought, always thinking positively and repressing everything that's not positive. This is people that don't deal with their negativity. When you don't deal with your negativity, it manifests somewhere else. It turns into more intense thoughts. It turns into things. It's, it becomes destructive in many ways. So what I'm saying is that thoughts and behaviors can originate from unexpressed emotions. If you have a feeling about someone and you're not able to express your feeling to that person or in therapy or to a best friend or to a trusted family member, what you repress inside of you manifests in your subconscious mind, creating these images, creating these visualizations. 
So yes, it would be great if we had a fight with someone or had an issue with someone that we could bring it up, reach our own closure. We may not be able to reach closure with them. They could still be upset, but say what we need to say, say our piece and move on so that we don't have these things that manifest in our mind and start to invade our psyche, our level of happiness, our level of fulfillment. So just keep in mind that any negative thoughts that come up could be a manifestation of something unexpressed in your life. And when you can determine what that is, then you can start taking steps toward closure there. And it's not always easy. There are many, many scenarios where you can't reach closure because the person is not alive anymore or they're too dangerous or whatever reason it is. But that's why you keep learning and growing and trying to understand yourself and trying to heal and process everything going on in your life as much as you can in your life. So the next thing to remember is a segue into this. The thoughts that you repress need closure. You can't stop thinking about thoughts that you don't want. I mean, think about that. (laughs) You can't stop thinking about the thoughts that you don't want. When I was learning hypnosis, they called that trying to process a negative. They said the brain can't process a negative. They said the brain doesn't know how to process a negative. In other words, don't think of a red balloon. Try not to think of a red balloon. Make your brain not think of a floating red balloon. 99 red balloons. Uh, It's hard not to. Even talking about it now, I cannot block that. You might be able to go, oh, I thought of it, but then I blocked it. And that's fine. That's great. You might be able to do that. That's perfect. Where did it go? (laughs) Where did that thought of the red balloon go? I mean, really think about that. Try not to think of a red balloon. Put it somewhere else. Where does it go? Because it's going to pop up later. (laughs) It's going to come out. And you're going to be like, well, I didn't think about it for a half an hour, but it did come up. And this is what I'm talking about, about negative thoughts. And it could be anything. Red balloons, pink elephants, green lemons, negative thoughts, hurtful thoughts, painful thoughts. Where does it go? Where, Where do you put the thought when you don't want to think about it? This is kind of a deep philosophical question. Where does the thought go? Is there a physical realm that the thought resides? Well, it's just in my brain somewhere. The synapses are forming and it gets stuffed away in the recesses of my brain way, way down there. Um, you know, chemically, that's probably what really happens is, is that these neural pathways form and there's a physical storage location for that thought. And when there's a physical storage location for a thought, it's going to be there. It doesn't disappear. I'm not a brain scientist, so if I'm fuzzy on the science, please forgive me. But let's just work with that and say that when we have a negative thought, our brain creates a physical location and stores it there for later processing, for later using, for later something, something. Hey, there you go. It's available. Now what do we do with it? Well, if there's a negative emotion attached to it, it's going to be vital that we take care of the emotional side of it. So that when that thought, that memory comes up, the emotion isn't part of it, at least the negative emotion. We want the positive ones, but when the negative emotion comes up, you know, that could be the basis of PTSD. And when we have these old memories that come up that are attached to traumatic events that have these negative emotions, we don't want to experience that, but we do. And it feels like we're reliving it in the moment. That's what we want to learn to heal from. So we have all these events in our life. And they're stored in these areas of our mind. And when they come up and we have the negativity attached to it, we don't like that feeling. So we either process it, deal with it, talk about it, or we stuff it back down. We go back into repressing it. Certainly something I don't recommend. But it's important to remember that you can't stop thinking about thoughts that you don't want. And because of that, you want to heal from them. And to do that, it needs to be discussed. It needs to be brought up. And it doesn't mean you have to discuss it with someone else. There are thoughts that you can journal about. There are thoughts that you can meditate on as long as you're working with them in some way, shape, or form. Because they're there. Those thoughts are in there. So let's bring them up to process. Let's bring them up to hopefully heal from so that they don't get stuffed back down. When they're stuffed back down, then they intensify because we're usually forcing them back down. 
Now, my next point is that there are no evil thoughts, only evil behavior. If you want to replace the word evil with something else, be my guest. I'm using the word evil because sometimes for me, an evil thought comes in. (laughs) I would never do that in real life. I would never do that to anyone. I'm not going to flog myself over it. (laughs) I'm not going to hurt myself. I'm not going to think that I'm a bad person. I'm going to notice the thought. I mean, this is kind of a Buddhist approach. I'm going to notice the thought. I'm going to acknowledge the thought. Hey, there's a thought in my head. Hey, where did that come from? What, what are you doing there? But I'm not going to be angry that I'm having it. I'm not going to feel bad for having it. I'm just going to acknowledge it. Hey, there's that thought. And it could be what I might consider an evil thought. But it's important to remember that thoughts are just thoughts. They are not the behavior. Thoughts are not evil. Only behavior can be evil. So you may have a thought about hurting someone, but it's not evil, again, use your own word, until you actually do the behavior. And, you know, even that is open to interpretation, what you consider evil. So it's the behavior that needs the most concern. I'm not saying that behavior doesn't stem from these thoughts. It does. You can have a thought that leads to behavior, but if you haven't done the behavior and you've only had the thoughts, then you're already good at controlling your behavior. So if you've not believed that your bad thoughts don't make you a bad person, now is the time to believe it. Because if you've been able to control your behavior, then you're fine. You don't have to worry as much. You may still, if you have a lot of bad thoughts, you may still worry about it, but you've already proven that you can control your behavior. Great. So just take that next step. If you haven't been able to control your behavior, that's a different topic. You're doing behavior that are stemming from your thoughts and your thoughts need to be processed. Your thoughts need to be healed. Your thoughts need to be expressed and dealt with so they don't lead to bad behavior. So regardless if you do the bad behavior or not, the thoughts need to be dealt with. And just like in the, in the last segment, when I was talking to my girlfriend and I'm telling her, you know, I, I think this is the onset of depression. I didn't want to admit it. It felt like a weakness. It felt more vulnerable than I was willing to be. Yet I had to. I had to be honest with her. I had to tell her what was going on. And that was a scary place to be, but not necessarily because I didn't trust her with the information. I didn't think she was going to attack me. But it involved me coming to an admission of something I didn't want to believe about myself Because after I was depressed in my 20s, I never, ever wanted to feel that way again and refused to feel depressed. I mean, I just made a a directive in my life that I will never be depressed again. Yet here I am feeling these feelings. What does that mean about me? Am I breaking my own commitment? Am I failing in some way? So I had to come to that place of self-admission as well. And that's hard with these thoughts that we have, that we might have to express something to someone that admits to ourselves that we're actually having thoughts that we don't want. And I'm not saying you have to express every deep, dark secret that you ever have. I'm just saying if it becomes a problem in your life and you're having trouble healing through it and it's leading to some sort of challenge in your life and you can't get through it, And it keeps coming up in different ways and manifesting in your behavior and manifesting in your relationships, then it might be time to talk to someone. And if you can't talk to someone you know, talk to someone you don't know. That's why therapists and people like me exist is that you tell someone you don't know the deep, dark shame and fear and guilt and embarrassment and all the negativity that you don't want your friends to know about, that you don't want your family to know about, you don't want your partner to know about, your kids, your mother, your dad, you don't want anyone to know about because it's so vulnerable and you'll feel like they'll judge me. And some people might and some people won't. That's why it's scary. We don't know who's going to say what. It's a dark abyss that we step into. We have no clue what's going to happen. So sometimes we don't say anything. And that's what we keep with us and we keep holding on to and we keep repressing and it never heals and we walk around with it. So there are no evil thoughts, only evil behavior. Bad behavior stems from unresolved, unprocessed, and unexpressed thoughts. The next point I want to make is that unexplored, persistent thoughts will grow like weeds until you explore them. And I've heard this over and over again from people I've coached, people that have written to me, saying that I can't stop obsessing about this. 
I can't stop. I can't stop obsessing about this person, about this job, about this relationship I had 30 years ago. I can't stop obsessing about it. And if those thoughts are unexplored or unprocessed or unhealed, then they grow like weeds. They stick around and they grow into every part of your brain and every part of your life. And that's when obsession forms. And your obsessions can drive you nuts. They can keep you stagnant. They can keep you in a rut. They can keep you out of the next good thing in your life because you're still stuck on whatever it is that you're stuck on. It's that repetitive cycle of old thoughts that go nowhere. A good example of this is something I watched in a, was it a BBC documentary? It was about pedophilia in the UK. And um, they had a really good documentary on people who could not stop thinking about children in a very inappropriate way. They couldn't stop thinking. And they interviewed an, a full-grown male adult who decided to show his face on TV and talk about his thoughts. I mean, he wasn't graphic, but he said, you know, I have these thoughts and I don't like it. I don't know if he said, I hate this about myself, but he says, I don't want them. Yet I still have them. I can't help it. And I'm sure he goes through his day trying to repress these thoughts. And I know there's a lot of people out there that automatically hate the pedophile, automatically think they should burn in hell, automatically think they should die. And I want to tell you that there are people that maybe even you know, because it's more prevalent than you might think, that have these kind of thoughts and can't help it. It would be like asking a 20-year-old heterosexual male with his hormones raging to stop thinking about women. It's that powerful in some of these people. And I'm not defending anyone. I'm not saying anything is right or wrong. I'm just giving you some facts that I've learned that have helped me understand human behavior, human thinking, and how thoughts can come into our mind that we automatically label evil and we start to repress them and that repressing makes them stronger. So I imagine there are people out there that have inappropriate thoughts about children that don't want to have those thoughts, they repress them, and it makes the thoughts stronger. And that's why it's so important to understand that what you repress intensifies And if you don't want thoughts that come to your mind, then it's time to see someone. It's time to talk to someone. It's time to get those thoughts out so that they're not intensifying. Because that thought machine inside your head can continue to cycle and amplify what's going on. And we don't want that if we have thoughts that make us uncomfortable, that make us hate ourselves. That's a terrible place to be. So we don't want to grow those thoughts like weeds. We want to explore them. What does that mean? That might mean you have the thought, you allow it to come into your mind and explore what it means and how it feels and why it's negative and maybe where it came from. And you allow the thought to exist in your mind so that you can explore it, so that you can process it, so that you can journal about it, so that you can talk about it instead of repressing it. As soon as you repress it, that's when it's more likely to lead to bad behavior. Yes, you can be really great at at controlling your behavior and you can control it your entire life with these repressed thoughts. People can do this and sometimes they do. But are you happy? Are you satisfied? Are you fulfilled? Are you having great relationships? Because if those thoughts are affecting any aspects of your life and you're just getting by, maybe it's time to deal with them. So coming back to that documentary I watched, The man who decided to tell the truth and tell the world his thoughts, I'm going to make a guess that that has helped him control his behavior. Because I'm sure there's a big part of him that wants to act on that behavior. But in my belief, you're less likely to act on behavior if you're able to express what's going on in your mind. It's not always the case. It's not always true. And I know I'm on a very slippery slope and thin ice with this specific topic I'm talking about, but anyone listening with any type of negative thought, I don't want you to automatically label yourself as bad, evil, uh, unable to be helped, unable to be cured, unable to be healed. I don't want you to label any of that about yourself because they're just thoughts and they don't become bad until you act on them. But that also means you do have to deal with them. That does mean you have to process them. 
And so let me make my last point, and then we'll get to the end of the show and um, finish up. And that is something I've already said in so many words, and that is denial of unwanted thoughts leads to intensifying the unwanted thoughts. And so this is where the term denial comes in full force. Uh, What are you denying inside of you? If a thought comes up and you really want to punch your dad or mom in the face, which might be something you would never do in real life, don't deny it. Have the thought come up, explore it in your mind, process it, and even amplify it and exaggerate. This is what I've talked about on other episodes, is that when you have something in your mind and you don't want to have the thought, I like to take thoughts like that to the limit. How far will this thought go? How far can I bring it? Because how obsession forms and how a thought weed continues to grow is when you choose to stop thinking about it and there hasn't been healing or closure. And what I mean by that is, let's just say that in my example, uh, my stepfather's in front of me and I'm really angry at him and I want to say things and I yell at him in my mind and then I punch him in the face in my mind and then he goes down and he's hurt and he's bleeding. Then he gets back up and then I stop the thought and I go, okay, that's too much. You know, I've done too much. I would never do that in real life. That's just awful. Uh, That's enough. And I push it away. I may not have reached closure. I didn't take it to the limit. I only punched him. I'm not saying you have to do anything further than that. If whatever you've done is enough for you, then you don't have to go any further. But let's just say I still have feelings. Let's just say I'm still angry, but I don't want to do anything worse than that. I'm going to do it. I'm going to take it to the limit. I'm going to punch him and tear him apart and, you know, do a lot worse things to him. Again, all in my mind, whoever's listening, if you're psychotic, don't, (laughs) don't act on this stuff. If you're dealing with psychosis, you know, you definitely want to talk to a professional. Uh, I'm just talking about when these thoughts come up, uh, take it to the limit so that they don't manifest in the real world, so that they don't turn into bad or evil behavior. That's all I'm saying. So what happens is when you take a negative thought out to the limit and do the most extreme things in your mind, And even more extreme than that. And then even more extreme after that. To the point where you've tried almost every avenue of what could happen, what could be. It's almost as if your brain gets bored with the original thought. And that original thought might be, I'm mad at him. Or I'm mad at her. That could be the original thought. I'm mad at that person. Okay, I'm going to punch that person in the face. Ah, that makes me feel better. I'm still mad. Okay, I'm going to do this next thing to this person. All right, that felt really good, but I'm still mad. And okay, now I'm going to do this next thing to this person. And then you think, oh my God, that's really bad. <laughs> you might think to yourself, why wow, I really went too far. I shouldn't have done that. That's okay. You can repair it in your mind. You can bring it out. You can rewind it. You can say, okay, I'm not going to do that. That's another thing. You can rewind these things and say, I don't want to do that. That doesn't make me feel very good, but I'm going to do this instead. But what you're doing is you're trying all these avenues of closure, of healing, of processing. And when you're done doing all these things, the original thought no longer has a hold on you. I mean, this is the place you're trying to reach is that the original thought no longer has a hold on you, no longer has a grasp on you. If it doesn't have a grasp on you, it doesn't recycle. It doesn't come back, at least not in the intensity it used to. It doesn't have the same emotions attached to it. There's some closure that's reached because you've explored all these avenues and you've allowed yourself to explore those avenues and you didn't criticize yourself for it. That's important. Don't criticize yourself for it. I mean, you can say, whoa, 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 I went too far. I shouldn't do that in your mind and then come back and go, okay, I'm going to do something else. But that's just trying it out. You're testing. You're exploring. You're not avoiding. You're not denying. You're not repressing. And when you do it that way, you get to free yourself. You get to unrestrict yourself because you might have restricted yourself before putting you on this very limiting path, this limiting thought process, the inability to reach closure because you didn't allow yourself to do certain things in your mind's eye, causing you to continue to be exactly where you started, which might be in that old pattern 
of, oh, there's that thought again, stuff it down. Oh, there's that thought again, stuff it down. That's an ugly pattern when it makes you feel bad because it's a continuous thorn in your brain, in your emotional state, and you don't want to be there. Your thoughts can be anything you want and anything you don't want. They're all in your mind. They aren't real until you make them real. Think of your brain as a sketch pad that you draw something and erase it, and you draw something else and you erase it. You're trying to create what you want, and on the way, you're going to have a lot of drawings that you're really not proud of, and you maybe even hate. But that's what it can take sometimes to get to those healthier thoughts, to have a more pure stream of thoughts, so that you're not walking around in some hyper-aware state or highly sensitive, triggered state that anything can set you off. We need to get those thoughts out of their oppressed compartment for processing, for healing, so that you can enjoy life to the fullest. I appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in today. We'll be right back. Say some thank yous and goodbye right after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to remind you to head over to quietbegins.com if you are dealing with anxiety especially around other people or places while you're out and about, a safe empowerment system is designed to help you diminish or dissolve your anxiety. Go to quietbegins.com to learn more. And I want to tell you about the Love and Abuse podcast, and that is a podcast that um, helps you identify poisonous communication and toxic relationships. And uh, it gets deeper into the subject matter of emotional abuse and control and manipulation And it is a wildly popular show, uh, unfortunately. (laughs) I say unfortunately, not because I don't want it to be popular, but because there's just a lot of manipulation and control and emotional abuse in the world. And the popularity just tells me how much of it is prevalent because a lot of people don't even know they're in some sort of emotionally abusive situation. And that's why I came out with the Mean Workbook on emotionally abusive relationships and, of course, the podcast, which you can get for free right now over at loveandabuse.com. Check it out if you need something like that. And finally, I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in The Overwhelmed Brain. And so I started this show talking about uh, gasoline vapor <laughs> and uh, how it affected us and how it felt like depression, how it was draining our energy and causing us to be foggy and It's just amazing. You know, my girlfriend woke up at 5 o'clock one morning and opened all the windows and turned on the attic fan. We have a fan that sucks the air into the attic and out of the house and had to air things out so that we could breathe again because it was just so powerful. And it makes me wonder, how much have we exposed ourselves to this? Is this going to lead to something? Is this going to cause us to be sick later on in life? You know, what do we do about it? Well, there's really nothing we can do about it. We've aired out the house and um, there's not much we can do about the effects today, as far as I know, if there was any type of physical effect. But it does remind us to be aware that even when you're doing all the personal development work, all the self-help stuff, that there may be something outside your realm of thinking that's causing this stuff to happen. You know, the first place I go is... um, My girlfriend deals with uh, energy work. She does energy work. And I've always had a skeptical mind about that. Yet she's done things (laughs) to me that I cannot explain. And I cannot figure out. And I don't understand. Making headaches go away. Making exhaustion go away. Making things happen to me that make me think, okay, you know, my skeptical mind says it's mind over matter and I believe she's doing something to me. So my mind is making it happen. And I just want to jump into that space. Yet she's done things that I didn't know she was doing. And suddenly I felt better or she came up with something. And it really makes me take a step back and realize that yes, my logical brain knows what it knows and has to follow a path of logic and has to follow some set of exact steps in order to feel better. And also, there are things beyond my comprehension and understanding and even belief that may exist that help us get into a better space. With gasoline vapor, you know, that's pretty scientific. But I've never heard of it causing depression. It's kind of weird. And if that's the case, what other toxic things are in our home that might do this to us? It's just 
something to help me open my mind. So if I'm so stuck on a problem and I can't figure out why I can't get past some feeling that I have, maybe it's beyond a thought. Maybe it's beyond something that happened in my past. Maybe it's beyond my comprehension and I just have to be open to what else it might be. I'm not saying you have to change your belief system. I'm not saying you have to open your mind to new things, although that's what I say at the end of the show. Open your mind so that you can step into your power because I want you to be comfortable being yourself. I'm just asking you to be okay believing in something 100%, believing in your thoughts, believing in your belief system 100% and being open to being wrong. That's all I'm asking. should be easy. <laughs> With that, open that mind and step into that power so you can be firm in your decisions and actions and that will help you create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.